As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV, continuing our preacher cast, and uh, we are at season two, episode nine, the puzzle piece. Dun, dun, dun. You know, I'm, I'm beginning to think that maybe we should call it Weekly Anti-Heroics, considering this show. Okay, as soon as you buy the show from me, you can rename it. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk price after the podcast. Uh <laughs> to fight me and hero for it <laughs> We're, they're not all anti-heroes you know once we get back to some other more heroic people but yeah this show is definitely chocked full of them uh and just some outright villains but uh i, I digress i'm scott mcgregor that was brian hughes and uh, we're here with pat delmore again and hey everybody uh, Heroes gotta gotta take some time off, and uh, Mrs. Hughes is is got a thing tonight, so it's just just three gents, which is maybe good because there's some really kind of awkward stuff to talk about in this episode, and maybe n- good not to have a lady around. <laughs> so let you launch yeah. into it. Uh, at Harris Star's office, a bunch of people are getting his uh, desk in order, uh, and everything's very very white, which includes a detailed. File on uh, Jesse Custer, of course. And then we get a flashback to Jesse witnessing his dad getting shot in cold blood, and we've seen a couple times now. And he claims ownership over it, you know, saying, I'm my fault, Daddy, I prayed for this. And when we get back to the present, we can see that Jesse's just kind of ruminating on that, and it's still weighing on his mind. And we also hear some hints of other things in his memory that uh, we might learn more about later on. Uh, let me out, let me out. So anyway, he he gets bored and he's looking up sightings of God on YouTube, but it's mostly people talking about toast sightings and the like. And meanwhile, Cassidy is heating up some frozen blood from his supply and and remarking how Dennis is doing much better. You know, didn't think we'd make it, but he pulled through. And uh, Jesse doesn't really know yet why Dennis pulled through. So uh, Jesse tries to get Cassidy and Tulip a little more motivated in their search for God, but um, basically we're just kind of seeing them getting very, very frustrated with Jesse. Uh, and uh, they're kind of off in their own world doing their own thing. And again, Jesse's being kind of a dick, not really noticing anything but his own little quest. He's got a little Captain Ahab stuff going on at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, little does he know that his white whale actually kind of wears a white suit. In a, in a way uh, not exactly God but uh, not that white suit but the other white suit uh, uh, Tulip comes in and uh, a lot of tension in the room Jessie's very, getting very concerned about her uh, her long nights out and her, her obsessive trips to the uh, the shooting uh, shooting bar um, but she's doing very well she has a nice roll of cash on her uh, she took a 45 last night you know Ow! Yeah. <laughs> to each their own. Uh, 
Which uh, she's just so out of it that it prompts Jesse just to use uh, Genesis to to force her to go to sleep because she's still refusing to sleep because of the uh, saint of nightmares going on. And Cassidy gives him kind of a very disapproving look. Uh, as far as, yeah, yeah, she had to sleep, so yeah, yeah, use that on her. Good for you. Yeah. Now Featherstone. Yeah, you know that that that's one of those things that that kind of. Always makes me wonder. You know, he tells her to go go to sleep. Shouldn't she just sleep forever Pretty if he much. did that? Uh, you know, you're nitpicking. I guess he probably he probably screams. You know, you know, he said under his breath, "Go to sleep for X amount of hours or something." Or till you're rested. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's it's one of those things you just sit there and wonder about because you know, pretty much anything else when they, when he gives a command to someone, they just keep doing it until something. Well, they, yeah, I I thought that in the first season too that they're playing a little fast and loose with the uh, the rules on on the word because in the, in the comic very literal stuff happens uh, later on in the season some very literal stuff happens uh, very monkey paw type stuff right yeah when Jesse tells somebody to do something you know uh, like you know like his first victim basically go you know be honest with go. your mom and open your heart to her okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, 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 you're right. You're, I, I think that's a no prize to you, Brian. She should have just kept snoozing basically until he told her otherwise. But we'll let it slide this time because we've got some great fight scenes coming up. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the Featherstone captured Jesse's use of Genesis on uh, her little hidden camera there, but her star doesn't seem to think any of it beyond that. You know, what kind of world is this when a woman obeying a man is you know considered? strange, you know. Uh, and he just nonchalantly orders them to kill all of them because he's got a date. And we roll into our opening credits. So this first of, of a couple really great scenes in this in this episode is uh, the Grail soldiers, when we come back from break, are getting all their gear in place and, you know, the whole military prep scene montage type of thing and getting ready to breach Jesse's apartment. And the scene then brilliantly switches over to Private Koyama's uh, first-person perspective with no music and basically very little sound, and we're essentially in a Call of Duty video game at this point. And it was quite a quite an interesting uh, visual choice to go to, but it, I thought it was pretty effective. And, you know, get a little feeling of uh, aliens in there, too, of course. Yeah. Um, but that's, being a gamer, that's where my brain first went. It's like, holy shit, we're playing a first-person shooter. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> uh, so they converge on the room, uh, but once they get in, Cassidy immediately starts attacking some of them, and it takes like four or five of guys to start subduing him and doing major damage to him. Koyama appears to kill Dennis, uh, but Jesse subdues him with some hand-to-hand punchy stuff uh, before ripping off his night vision goggles and ordering him to kill his friends, which he does promptly. Well, Jesse recognizes the guys from White, obviously, when he first met uh, Featherstone, but before he can get a chance to ask uh, his his little puppet their questions, uh, Dennis reemerges and bites him and kills him, and Jesse is shocked to see that he's much better than okay and apparently a vampire. So, uh, Hair Stars on a setup date. Uh, this was just weird. This is just kind of like to set up the the theme of, of the episode, but this was almost unsettlingly weird, but not out of character. I don't remember if there's a similar scene in the comic, but 
Um, he's on his little date with his uh, lady friend saying that her dad, who we find out is actually the governor of Louisiana, um, mm-hmm. you know, told her that, uh, Harry's job is very important, that he's a very important guy. And we kind of get the feeling that dad set this date up. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I work for, uh, you know, the most powerful organization in the world. I have minions all over the place and blah, blah, blah. But I've been feeling a bit disenchanted. And then she's like, I know exactly what you mean, you know. And she tells him a story about how she met this disabled boy named Steven, who she calls her missing puzzle piece. And, and of course, Star's just like, you're an idiot, you know, for, for this being such an epiphany to you. And, you know, he's, he's like, they smile all the time. Don't you know that? <laughs> it's just very, <laughs> very bad uh, for Mr. Star, which is what we can expect. And- I've forgotten all of about this this scene and it foreshadows so much of what happens right but it, it does feel on. so out of place uh you know to even see star yes. on some kind of date but you know and, and things being as mundane as this is uh you know just kind of casual conversation but of course he snaps right back into evil character and uh <laughs> he tells her to take off her shirt and then put butter underneath her chin and asks how long she thinks she can hold her breath but uh, she's saved by the bell. She complies, of course, for some reason. Um, but she's saved by the bell, and he's informed of what happened at the Custer flat, and he leaves whatever sick sexual fantasy he had planned behind. So, well, I think the other really important part of that was that he asks her about uh, Angola. Right, yeah. Uh, whether or not her father's been there, because yeah, the we're going to see him in a country. few minutes. Right. Yeah. We're going to see him in a few minutes looking at prison floor plans on yeah. his computer. Yeah. And as far as her doing pretty much anything that, that he said, I, I'd seen his behavior before back in college. It right. was basically if, if a, a woman heard that a guy had a, was, was going for like a pre-med, pre-law, uh, any degree where there was going to be a, you know money and power, yeah, they pretty much do whatever they, they ask them to do. Well, let's not paint any broad strokes about all women or anything. <laughs> no, no, I'm definitely not saying all women. I'm saying a very particular type. Sure, you know, I'm sure men do it too. You know, American Gigolo is a thing, movie. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've tried to be a Gigolo all my life. You know, I've tried to find that, that, that rich older uh, woman that just wants to use me and abuse me and buy me things, but it hasn't worked out. Um, yeah, Patricia Neal died five or six years ago, unfortunately. <laughs> was that uh, that who you were after? Susan that's the lady. That's the lady in um, Breakfast Tiffany's. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking for, for Scott more like Noel Deal in Superman Returns. No, no, no. Susan Sarandon's my, my sugar mama, the only one I'll ever, ever want. Her, Helen Mirren, those are my two. They can... Any, okay. Any, yeah, any time, any age, anywhere, girls. Yeah, just call me. What, no Raquel Welch? Well, is she even alive anymore? Yeah. Is she? I think she is still around, yeah. You know, She's still around, and she is, she is still pretty hot for her age, I tell you. I'm sure, but, you know, she's got to get in line behind Helen and Susan. That's all. You know, and if, if they haven't killed me, then she can have a shot. Uh, but I fully expect Helen Mirren to at least kill me. Uh, what a way to go. And Al-Nathra. Uh, never mind. Um, we'll have to insert some Excalibur clips here. Anna. Uth 
etwas besucht. Doch hält den Weg. <laughs> oh, you haven't watched Caligula, have you? Yeah, of course I've watched Caligula. I okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did have Helen nude in it. Of course I watched it. Okay, creepy. So anyway... <laughs> Here Stark goes back to his office, uh, Featherstone and Hoover are waiting. He asks uh, who's responsible, and uh, they both claim ownership. Uh, he has Hoover, he's got a tarp laid down for just such occasions. As Hoover go over on the tarp, and uh, he tries to shoot him, but the gun is jammed. Um, maybe even intentionally, maybe Lara set it up. Uh, she's, she's, you know, because she's the one that immediately is like, oh, let me fix that for you. The Glock jams, and she's just, you know, beyond helpful and beyond a brown noser. Uh, she urges him to read Jesse's file while she's fixing the gun while advocating to activate someone or something named Brad. And Hare Star is impressed by Laura, or Lara, but doesn't know her name yet. So, you know, she's like, have we met? And you're like, yes, this morning and a week ago and a couple hours ago. But hi, nice to meet you again. His age just dismisses all women, much Pretty like much, uh, what, yeah. what's his name in um, in 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 Walking Dead, uh, Xander Berkeley's character. Xander Berkeley. Oh uh, yeah, Gregory. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you know it's funny the 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 plastic. Oh, it it, it made me think of Lethal Weapon two and Joss Ackland's character. Um, I don't know if you, you guys recall that where they put the plastic down, the South African. Uh, Guys using diplomatic immunity. Oh yes, yeah. It's and even the fact is, it's like Pip Torrance is using Joss Ackland's accent. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely in, in, in this. So I always thought that was interesting. <laughs> it's just a good idea. It's pragmatic, you know. Your brains are so hard to get out of shag carpet. Um, I'm told. <laughs> I'm told. Uh, said too much. Um, so yeah. Uh, no, that wasn't Brian. That was Scott that yeah, said that. Yeah, Not Brian. Shady pass for a change. We roll the uh, James Bond music. <laughs> well, she's willing to give uh, them one more chance, but our uh, star is willing to give uh, Hoover and Featherstone one more chance, but uh, tells Lara that she has, uh, he has a rape fantasy to attend to, so um, Featherstone is immediately ready to comply. Yeah, apparently she's under the same spell as his, his blind date there. She's like, well, yeah, I could get a mini skirt, and, you know, so it starts setting the scene, but Star's like, no, he wants professionals, and uh, instructs her and Hoover to arrange some, you know, no means no protocol, basically. Uh, it is a rape fantasy, after all. You. So when Tulip comes out from brushing her teeth and her 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 nap that should have lasted longer, Sleeping Beauty, uh, she sees all the dead bodies strewn on the ground, which of course she missed out as she was in sleepy time when the whole fight was going on. Jesse is now controlling a gaggle of cops with the word "You work for me now," and uh, orders them to protect the house and clean up the scene. We get, you know, basically uh, the guy from uh, Pulp Fiction comes in to, to start scrubbing things. <laughs> Why can't I think of that actor's name? Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wolf. Yeah. Mr. Wolf. <laughs> And, uh, of course, the cops set up snipers along the perimeter. Jesse's got the whole whole nine yards going. 
now, Hairstar is reading an article about prison architecture. As we said earlier, a pop-up ad about cats comes on the computer, <laughs> and he's unable to click out of it. And I'm sure this will mean something eventually, and eventually switches to Lara's hidden camera feed, and he's intrigued by Jesse's powers uh, all of a sudden, and he starts going through his file, starting with the article about his father getting murdered. And, of course, there's clippings from, like, Preacher says he's calling down God, and things like that. Dennis gives uh, Cassidy a cup of blood, and he's healing, and thanks him for turning in, into a vampire. And he doesn't quite like his newfound vulnerability to the sun, though, and he accidentally gets himself a little singed. But he enjoys his uh, taste of blood and starts guzzling a bit, and, and Cassidy's Cassidy's apparently, you know, like, basically a, a good vampire. You know, he doesn't kill if he doesn't need to, and only drinks blood to heal, and preferably, you know... Donated blood or animal blood, as we've learned, except for the mayor of Anvil in, you know, season one. But we'll let that one slide, I guess. Because <laughs> you know, it was it was uh, what's her name that that fed him to him. So, you know, it's 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 really funny because you know a couple weeks back when he was dealing with um, the angel. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no restraint in the things that they did. I mean, he you know killed him right off the bat um, and then here he is with this with this his kid and he's doing all the the whole blood thing you just figured there 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 wouldn't be as much restraint but it's almost like he's i mean it is like he's trying to be a good yeah, father good dad, yeah yeah you know you don't you know even if you are a vicious murdering vampire you don't let your see, your kid see that you know you want yeah to, don't you want to raise don't do as i do do as i say that's right Thank you, Mr. Where'd you find these drugs? I learned it by watching you, okay? (laughs) Why did you eat this virgin? I saw you do it. Where'd that come from? I'm a little weird tonight, folks. Even weirder than usual. Just completely out of it. Didn't have my afternoon nap. Not enough coffee. Hurricane hangover. No hangover, really. No, that that that's me. I'm in a hurricane hangover. Uh, Hurricane hangover. I can imagine. Yeah. Whole, uh, oh, yeah. Hope we've all of our Texas freaks have checked in by now. I know we saw s- several posts by Jonathan Kreitz, and he was on drier land than most people, so that's good. Uh, Trentus Magnus is the one that we need to keep our, our eyes out for, oh, I think, right. if anybody. No, he did just post something like last night, so. Yeah, no, he, he's been afternoon. very lucky in that, yeah. Now, we had, we had some relatives down there, uh, my wife's cousin Norma. Uh, right in the thick of it, but their house was high enough that all the other houses on the block got flooded. Theirs did not. Yeah. So they're 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 pretty blessed in that regard. Yeah, crazy stuff. Crazy crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, you think they would have learned with 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 Rita, you know? But no, no. What are you, you going to do? Well, that's yeah, that's a debate for another podcast. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> So when Jesse uh, checks up on Cassidy and gives him the sit rep, as it were, he asks Cass if he's going to be up to the next fight. You know, Cassie looks under his uh, under his blanket and be like, "Well, I'm down about half of a, a, a intestine here, but I'll, I should be all right by by tonight when when this shit hits the fan again." <laughs> but Cass kind of tries to tell Jesse that he should worry a little bit more about himself, and he's he's obviously kind of getting concerned with. The whole, you know, enlisting dozens of people to work for you with the word and telling Tulip to sleep against her will and stuff like that. And speaking of Tulip, uh, Jesse starts kind of... Uh, where was I? 
You were telling us about that night in Madrid with uh, Adam West and Frank Gorshin where you met the showgirl? <laughs> yeah, but who, Turn- who, who or whose costume is the real question there, and that's... it's. No, no, if if you know that story, you know that Adam West went to a hotel woman with what he thought was a woman and had a crying game moment. Ah, okay. (laughs) The crazy 60s and 70s. He he probably just rolled with it and and did what he wanted to do. Yeah. Just uh, basically what that meant was you don't go partying with Frank Gorshin. (laughs) I would still, I would party with Frank Gorshin. I'm not afraid. Uh, (laughs) Who knew the Beatles? I've partied with some people I, I dare say could give Frank Gorshin a run for their money on, on craziness. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> All right, where are we here? I admit nothing. <laughs> I admit too much. Uh, yeah, Jesse is doing a little reminiscing with Tulip about you know, a couple of their jobs and. And she's basically crying the whole thing. Another, like, knock-it-out-of-the-park performance by Ruth Negga's eyes, mostly. Um, and he's expressing some concern about her, and uh, she does not like that uh, he, she used, he used Genesis on her uh, to make her go to sleep, though. And he's just like, I don't know what else to do. You know, you're just exhausting yourself. And he asked her if she dreamed. Uh, he's like, you did sleep, though, but did you dream? And she doesn't really answer, but gives him kind of a really nasty look to suggest that yes she probably did so he suggests that she sits this one out and uh, you know checks into a hotel room on her own kicks her feet up while he and Cassidy take care of things but she politely rejects the idea she's like I gotta go get a gun uh, Hoover is on the phone <laughs> booking a stars hookers and Tulip checks up on her new friend Jenny aka uh, Featherstone and asks to borrow a gun doesn't explain why but she just gives it up, and then Hoover asks her, "Why, you know, why'd you do that?" And uh, Lara is just like, "That don't matter. It's not going to stop Brad." Mister is Brad. Uh, Brad. So am, what? I'm just saying. Whenever you say Brad, I always want to say asshole. Well, Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> right, Show yeah. flex, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you did mention Susan Sarandon earlier, so I guess it's That's it's true. fair that I'm, I'm in that area. I'll have to do a quick Rocky Horror clip in here, too. I do love breaking out the old ones. And it's almost Halloween, so it's appropriate. The river was deep, but I swam it. Janet. The future is ours, so let's plan it. Janet. So please, don't tell me to can it. Janet. I've one thing to say, and that's damn it. Janet, I love you. Well, this will be after Labor Day, so we're set with wearing white and playing Rocky Horror. Or maybe not. <laughs> uh, not a king of fashion. I always wear black because it's slimming. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so they say. <laughs> oh, no, it is slimming. <laughs> no, you just look like a big dark spot and, instead of a big multicolored <laughs> spot. I don't know. I know how I look. I don't know. You know, no clothes are, are going to change that any. Two was paranoid over the cleaner, uh, and they're all getting ready for the fight, um, but she kind of won't admit to it. She's just very twitchy in general, and seeing the, you know, you know, she's flat out like hallucinating the saint every now and then. Jesse tries to remain focused. Dennis starts blasting his uh, his music, which we said was Non Je Ne Regret Rien, 
or something like that, which you said was uh, in Inception, Brian? Yeah, yeah, it, it was the main theme used in Inception. Um, Hans Zimmer basically took the, that that song and slowed it down a huge amount. Ah, okay. Uh, so if you hear that, when you're hearing those long horns of brah, that's basically that song slowed down real slow. Oh, this slow. is the genesis of the big Brahms sound? I didn't realize that. Yeah, wow. and the song, of course, was also used in, as we are talking about, Bull Durham yeah. with uh, Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner. It was one of those themes that she used. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense in both cases when you're talking about trying to live with no regrets. More Susan Sarandon talk. I'll be in my bunk. Uh, and watch. <laughs> you want some White, white Castle stuff. burgers? <laughs> so, yeah, I was saying, do you want some White Castle burgers to go with that? <laughs> no, no, I've. <laughs> Eight White Castle burgers once and learned my lesson. I will never eat them again. Did you even get that reference? No, I didn't. What was that? There's a there's a movie uh, with Susan Sarandon and um, oh yeah okay now I know Ultron know. Ultron yeah it's yeah, called James White Spader. Castle yeah James yeah. Spader yeah I think I watched yeah. the 15 minutes of that that I needed to do something yeah uh, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's what I call a, a May August romance not quite the May September of Harold and Maude but um, <laughs> oh she wasn't that older much older than him back then he was 27 she was 42 at least that's really? what they said in, in the uh, yeah Oh, I didn't know that thing. No. Well, hey, when I was 27, I dated 42. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, milfs milfs were a thing, man. Uh, I was was best man in a wedding where a 27-year-old married a 42-year-old. All right. Hey, I learned a lot from those older ladies. No regrets. (laughs) You're going to play that song now, aren't you? (laughs) Maybe, yeah. It'll be in here somewhere. No regrets. Ah, la, 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 my new girlfriend will probably hear this. Oh, well, all right. (laughs) My wife is going to hear this. Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) If you ain't told her about those exploits by now, then then, I don't know. (laughs) This is the wrong place for her to find it out. That's all I'm saying. Ah, la, la, and I make no promises on editing because my brain isn't working tonight. Holy low-hanging fruit, Batman. So the, oh. the shit starts to, to, well, they think the shit's about to start, and someone goes up to one of the cop cars and attacks the officer in it, and before Jesse can go out to help, the Tulip does a Marvin on the, uh, uh, you know, speaking of Pulp Fiction, Tulip kind of does a Marvin on the cleaner, because she mistake, mistook the Windex cleaner for a gun, so she shoots him in the chest. Cassidy's so nice to her about that. Too. Oh, always, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it does kind of look like a gun, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so he's rushing to her defense. Meanwhile, the guy who attacked the cop was apparently just a harmless drunk wearing a mask. Uh, and Brad actually stands for Battle Ready Remote Operational Aerial Drone. Aerial drone. Um, and some fire from above is, is coming at our heroes. Well, we cut to a, a star's little date. Um, a, group of, a group of male, if you can call it that, a group of male prostitutes named the Professionals, or they call themselves the Professionals, come into his office, and Star is disappointed that they didn't hire women, and starts to protest, and there's clearly been a mistake, and that was, of course, the key word to his no-means-yes fantasy. <laughs> uh, and he stares at Jesse's file while they're having their way with him, and he remembers his date from earlier when he calls him the missile, missing puzzle piece. He decides that Jesse is his missing puzzle piece. He has an epiphany while having 
anal sex, which I'm sure many people do. Yeah, yeah. Just a, a tip for anybody that that is going to hire this type of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Always uh, make sure there's a safe word, you know, in advance. Yeah, yeah. So you can say that to stop this sort of and, miscommunication. Yeah, and there's probably a checkbox, you know, male, female, that you you can select when you're hiring people. So you want to make sure you get that right too. Yeah, you know the the she people did. the people that hire out this stuff they're not really big on checklists, you know. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, this was done deliberately by uh, Featherstone after yeah. he didn't want to sleep with her. Possibly, you think so? I, I didn't. Yes, yes. It was it was done because he was he made the comment about a man or a woman doing what a man says is hardly remarkable, and then right. when she offered to do the cheerleader thing. She was like, okay, plausible deniability. I could say that I thought he was gay from that comment. Ah, okay. I didn't catch <laughs> that that was explicit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second time through, definitely, definitely saw that. Yeah. That, and he also said rough and ready. R- right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you said, <laughs> like you said rough and ready a couple of times. Well, I think uh, Hairstar uh, found out that he he likes that kind of thing after after it happened, or at least it, it helps him think. I guess. Yeah, another uh, another Batman for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, um, Star after he has his little epiphany about Jesse, he calls Featherstone to ca- uh, call off the missile strike, but of course it's already launched. Hoover panics and tries to call it off on the computer, uh, but Lara takes over and the annoying cat pop-up ad shows up again, and uh, she finally is able to click out of it. And when it finally disappears, she's able to redirect it to uh, Harry Connick Jr.'s house, so cross another celebrity off the off the list with Tom Cruise, who've died off-screen in this show. And Tulip is looking out the window, but uh, turns just in time to miss the, thro- uh, miss the drone exploding and blowing up Eric Connick Jr. Well, one week later, uh, Jesse uses Genesis to let the cops go and forget this ever happened, of course. And when he goes to the bar to drink away his sorrows, he comes face-to-face with Harris Starr. He offers this as his, yeah, offers Jesse his assistance in searching for God. Uh, but we think Jesse knows something's up, and, and that's where our episode ends, to be continued. So. You know, they, they, they missed a perfect opportunity there um, to, to do an, a Tom Noonan homage. And that was after, uh, after he'd had his little epiphany uh, with the Rough and Ready boys that he could have walked into Featherstone or someone else and said, get me some aspirin. <laughs> what movie are you referencing? The Man, oh. with, run, the man with One Red Shoe. Oh, okay. It. Yeah. Tom Hanks, wow. Carrie Fisher. I love that movie, too. I haven't thought of that in ages. <laughs> and a Tom Noonan fan. Laurie Singer was in that, too. Yep. Yeah, yeah that was a good flick. <laughs> Tom Hanks' decadence days where he was doing weird stuff. It was great. And a, a half-naked Carrie Fisher, too. Yeah, she's pretty good in Under the Rainbow, too. Get to show some skin. Yeah, weren't they doing... Yeah, her and Jim Belushi were doing, like, the Tarzan fantasy, weren't they, in that movie? Mm. Yep. (laughs) Jane. Hmm. Right. Classic actresses, too. I can take them to my bunk tonight. Carrie and uh, Susan. Why not? Um, And, um... 
gonna be single again after this podcast i got nothing <laughs> else and i'm merely delirious so you guys talk now <laughs> uh i think the cats now that we know a little bit more about who god probably is that the cats right. might have been direct intervention yeah yeah, yeah that's a possibility um or maybe help intervention who knows i, I don't know uh yeah um well that, that'll play out in a couple episodes we have to make sure we get hero on for that one <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious about the harry connick jr thing because you know with with the the early episodes there was the tom cruise explosion <laughs> and all that and that made a lot of sense you know based on just you know the public persona and all that but you know is harry connick jr just the biggest star they could think of out of out of new orleans I don't know. Yeah, hard to, hard to say. I, I kind of wish they got him a, a cameo somehow. That would have been sweet. But, yeah, it did seem kind of We random. may yet. Uh, yeah, we may. You never know. Um, <laughs> we got him in the help. middle, and we've had some pretty interesting ones. Um, I don't know. Yeah, probably just quick writers. Uh, New Orleans, you know, musician that everyone will know. <laughs> Poor Harry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I always like Harry. Good Christmas album. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely was. Yeah. But you know, this is one of those episodes where I was really missing the the R space Hitler storyline. I don't know if I was missing it, man. They had some I, the, just the way they shot the the two fight scenes in this. Uh, well, the second one wasn't really much of a fight scene, but the main one there with the, the Call of Duty first person shooter was. Just, mm-hmm really wowed me when I first saw it. I was just like, whoa, that's... Now, did you know that Dennis was going to be turned from the comics? No, I don't... Dennis is not in the comics. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he... Yeah, they don't really reference... I think they do it in, like, Cassidy's backstory. They talk about a kid he's had. I don't recall. Yeah, because, I mean, that was one of those moments, you know, when they were doing the first person and, and they show him shooting him. And Beth was like, oh, no, you know, and I'm just like, oh, man. And then, of course, he shows up and I go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I knew he was a vampire at that point. I mean, it was pretty heavily hinted from last episode that Cassidy had turned him. Or at least I I had figured it out. Uh, but no, nowhere in the comics. That's whole new. That's why I keep cursing the show for adding drama that I'm not ready for, you know. Depressing me, but now we we get more drama with Dennis coming up. But uh, nice little subplot, and he said those two actors are just friggin' nailing it. <laughs> and, and we get to understand Dennis from now on because he gets hooked up with the little Google babblefish thing later. So mm, yes, <laughs> I, I I I think I'm gonna have to download one of those apps for my phone. I'm liking those a lot. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah, I played with those before. They're really fun. There you go, and you can understand your wife when she's swearing at you, so that'll be helpful. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the thing the thing is, is, is still, if you if you try to use that in, say, France, you're going to go to Paris, they're going to treat you like crap. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, well, they w- after they get your credit card, you know, they, they're going to be reasonably nice to the tourists, but then, you know, they can mock you behind your back later, yes. as, as the French are great at doing. They fart in your general direction occasionally, I hear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your father was a hamster. No, your mother was a hamster, and your father, father smelled smelled the elderberries. elderberries. Yes. yes. <laughs> I still haven't shown that to my son. I'm, I'm debating when to do that. 
Oh, yeah, I was about 11, ten or eleven when I saw it the first yeah, time. Yeah, me too. Or at least, yeah, at least have uh, my friends telling me about the Black Knight scene. I, I think I'm going to wait till about thirteen. Whenever puberty hits, once puberty hits, then I think it, that's the right moment. <laughs> so when the voice cracks, yeah, that's what I was going to say. When he's laughing, you get to hear the voice crack each time. It'll add another layer of entertainment to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that's how I'm going to turn my son into a vampire in this world. <laughs> I think yeah, I saw probably... the naked gun when I was eight. So yeah, he he won't yeah. be immortal, but he'll have a great sense of humor <laughs> <laughs> and a lovely singing voice. I I got to give uh, your family props on that that Spidey thing, man. That was that was a fun fun edit. And I should have put it probably before my hero stuff, but. Um, I was going to release it separately, but I'm like, oh, you know what? We'll call it an after credit scene. But, well, yeah, that's yeah, cool. I, I have I've not had a chance to listen to it yet. So oh, it's. Uh, you guys did great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We're going to have to do more of those as, as, as family movies come out, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. You know, Thor Ragnarok, that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'd ask uh, Christopher to come into the show proper. I'm sure me and Hero will be covering that one, but I don't think you want him to. You know, his favorite show right now. Don't let him listen to the first half of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. His favorite show right now is The Flash. So, and and he's been binge watching. He's been home since Tuesday with Strep. So he's been binge watching it from the very beginning. Sweet. We need to get back on that soon. I actually have a Flash episode recorded that uh, just too many things. Um, I nothing like that at 10 years old. That's a lucky kid. Yeah, I know, right? I, well, I think I had... Star Trek The Next Generation, I guess. Yeah. In the Simpsons. Well, see, I, at, at about 10 years old is about the time we had the live-action Spider-Man TV yeah, series yeah, with Nicholas true. Hammond. Yeah. And then we got The Incredible Hulk not too long after yeah, that. Yeah, that was pretty good. But those were, you know, those were and, amazing back then. They're... Yeah, and then there was the Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman, yeah. and Richard Anderson passed away yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Oscar oh, Gold. Yeah, I saw that post. I was bummed about that. You know, it's it's weird because um, I gotta admit, though, I thought he was already dead. One of those celebrities that I was sure I'd seen die. It's part yeah. of the Mandela universe that I I noticed that in, but. Uh. <laughs> One of my most memorable dreams that I've had in the past. Uh, 15, 20 years was uh, a dream where apparently I was working at like a comic book convention or something and he was at it and I'd been doing a whole bunch of stuff and I was sweaty and dirty and everything and he comes out right up to me and I just go to shake his hand and he won't take it (laughs) and that's, that's the whole dream right there and I'm just like what the heck was that all about I mean as a kid Six Million Dollar Man was my favorite show I always sincerely wanted it to be in a plane accident just so I could get bionic parts. I know, right? Yeah, me too. That's a little <laughs> twisted, but it's like, yeah. damn, I wish I would get in a serious accident and have some shady government agency put me back together. How can I arrange that, Mom? <laughs> have you seen Venture Brothers, Brian? No, I have not. But so, uh, I was going to say, if you haven't had a chance yet, you need to listen to Andrew Leyland's Palace Glittering Delight, where he talks about the Bionic Woman. Fantastic. Episode. I did listen to that. That was great. Yes. But yeah, on, on Venture Brothers, they had the rights to use the name OSI. Oh, nice. Really? And they, have, and they show Steve Austin is in a couple of episodes, oh, and he's sure. married to the Yeti. He's married to the Yeti. 
Okay. <laughs> Is it was now, it actually Lee Majors doing his voice? No. No? Oh, that's but they had the, And they briefly had the rights to actually use the names of all of the Johnny Quest characters. No shit. Now, so they have the, an episode where Brock Sampson, not Brock Sampson, that's their character, um, <sighs> where Race Bannon dies. Oh, and man. plane goes down over, over these suburbs. <laughs> no, but I, I've got, a, <laughs> got another interesting one, though, about some friends of mine. Back in the late 90s, uh, two of my friends, J. Kevin Topham and Sean Kaufman, rest in peace, um, were at working as stuntmen in, in, their, in their spare time. And they got to be in a movie called The Protector, uh, starring uh, Ed Marinero and Cyril O'Reilly. And basically, Ed Marinero is basically a a guy who hires himself out to protect people in certain situations. You know, wasn't he in Hill Street Blues or something? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was coffee coffee on Hill Street Blues. All right, yeah. (laughs) And and so uh, you know, he's protecting this woman and everything. And the guy, the the major bad guy, was Lee Majors playing a character named Austin. And and the, uh, the 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 fem the the female character in the, in the movie was uh, Kate Rogers and she actually got to kill him. And I'm, my friend Kevin was telling me, you know, he goes, it was a great day, just you know, standing outside her uh, her her where they're doing her makeup, and and she's just in such a great mood. And I was like, why? And she goes, I get to kill the six million dollar man today, <laughs> and he's named Austin. You know, it's just crazy. But yeah, that's it's it's a it was one of those Skinamax type movies where she gets naked a lot. Yeah. But if if, you, if my my friends Kevin and Sean both get to get killed by Ed Marinero in the movie. Right. Uh, in very very spectacular scenes, one gets shot through a wall, <laughs> and the other one gets uh, blown apart. I think in an elevator, uh, you know, after a nice uh, gun battle. This is like a TV movie Death Wish type thing, almost. Huh? Yeah, it was just one of those low budget movies <laughs> yeah. in the in the nineties, and uh, you know they uh, in the late nineties is when that the movie studio on Las Colinas here uh, really picked up, and so they were filming a lot of they were you know they were filming of course Walker Texas Ranger. Uh, and, and other things around here, and um, that was just one of those uh, other other little productions. The thing is, though, there are about thirty different movies in IMDb called The Protector. I mean, there's a Jackie yeah. Chan movie, there's a Tony Jaa movie, and they've just made something else uh, here recently. So it's very hard to track down that one movie. I couldn't even find it uh, on Cody. Good generic action movie name, The Protector. Yeah. yeah. In a world where you need protection, we have the protector. Something like that. If I were a movie voice guy, that's how I'd do it. You, you could be a movie voice guy. You really should put yourself out there because the guy that does the guy that does in a world, I think he's already passed away recently. Yep. Yep. Yes. So they need, we're a dime a dozen. They're all over the internet. It's a young man's game. My voice is too marred by cigarettes and other things. <laughs> you got a voice for radio. I don't know about your face, but you definitely got a voice I for radio. I definitely have a face for radio. That's why they hired me. <laughs> it, was, it was my face that got me my radio job. Um, <laughs> said, yeah, you're just ugly enough. So that's another Weekly Heroics Preacher Cast. We'll have uh, episode 10 coming to you next week, whenever next week gets here. Bye now.
episode of AMC's Preacher. What's going on? It's an early birthday gift for the boy. Tell me, where is God? Good question. No idea. The boy, he knows. It's time for him to lead. You seem to know a whole lot. Who are you? These appetites, you can't ever act on them, ever. Who is the boy? We weren't supposed to hear that. Tell me. He's the Messiah.